Hello and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me are Gareth and Milo. Hello, chaps. Hi, Steph. Steph. How's it going? All good? Yeah. All good here. Very good indeed. Yeah, well, it was... uh, We kicked off the day yesterday, Saturday, knowing that if we won at Luton, we would go top of the league. And everyone was worried about Spursy, Spursy, Spursy. I wasn't. (laughs) No, no, no. Of course you weren't. I'm talking about them out there, not us in here. Oh, okay. We always knew. We always knew. (laughs) But look, it was a 1-0 win at a very, very tough ground. Kenilworth Road is, it's... I think it's one of the, the the hardest grounds that any team's going to go to this season. Over thirty years since we last won there, isn't it? I mean, that's yeah. that's how tough it is. Yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. Gazza and Chris Waddle were in the team last time we beat them at Kenilworth Road. Yeah, yeah. I I have uh, been to Kenilworth Road myself, and uh, it was back in the eighties. But anyway, the point is, we won one nil. We went top of the league. Um, but it wasn't really that straightforward, was it? And we're going to get into it now uh, without further ado. So let's start with the team selection, which I suppose, Milo, as you'll, you'll always tell us, it wasn't really, it's not really that much to say about it, is there? <laughs> well, no, there wasn't. So we were unchanged in the in the starting 11. Um, Brian Hill and Lacelso were on the bench. During the week, there were question marks about whether, well, Fitness generally, actually, you know, Sonny wasn't meant to have trained for a, until the the end of the week. There were rumours that Madison was also um, carrying an injury, and then obviously we got um, the injury to to Solomon as well during the week. So we were looking a bit thin at, um, in the starting eleven. But in the end, Sonny had trained the last couple of days. Everything was fine, and yeah, unchanged side. Which yeah, I, I mean. I, I think I say this every week, and it more or less picks itself. I think the only question mark for me would be whether Hoybier was worth bringing in because, you know, I was speculating about whether we ought to bring Hoybier for Saar in order to have someone who's a bit, bit, bit of a better passer against a team that were likely to, you know, allow us to have a lot of the ball. But Ange disagreed. <laughs> Gareth, how did you think that t- that all turned out? And I mean, uh, let, let's, let's kind of uh, pick up on that point. Saar passing. First half. How did you think the first half worked out with that side? It worked. Do you know, I was. It was one of these games where I thought I'm going to make notes as I go through because I know to analyse a game from first whistle Crikey. to last often gives you a very, very different story than if you do it from 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 back to front. And mm. you, you mentioned some of the things I noticed was it was 23 minutes before his name was mentioned in commentary, and I suspect that was probably his first touch of the ball. In commentary. No, well, in co- commentary in Coventry. Oh, commentary. Sorry, I thought you said it was 23 minutes before his name was mentioned in Coventry. I was like, what the bloody hell is that about? Anyway, Maybe, sorry, carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, which doesn't mean he was playing badly. It just means it was the first time that we noticed him. So I felt like it was a game that he really grew into. And I, yeah, what Milo said, the team picks itself at the moment. I don't think anyone would have picked a different 11, knowing the team, knowing the personnel that was available. The only question I was going to ask, and I don't know the answer to this one, but sort of thing that... I don't. Mm. Well, no, you you might have a theory on what's the um, difference between Ashley Phillips and Dyer because they seem to be rotated as to which of them goes on the Di- bench or not. Dyer was ill last week, so so we think Dyer will, will always be his, at the moment is his first choice sort of backup central defender unless he's unavailable. I think that's the case. Yeah, I think the two times he's missed out, he's been injured or been carrying a knock. Uh, yeah. I mean that that might change through training. But yeah, I think that appears to be the case, and that's certainly why Dyer missed out last week. And I think if you'd speculate and look at the way Ange is, I mean, he's he's very fair when it comes to you know if you train hard and you know you you earn your place, right? Whether that be on the bench or in the team, and I, I think Dyer's there on a little bit on merit, but also I think Ange is smart. 
I think he knows that this is a player that's got great uses within the squad just being around and he could equally have some very, very poor vibes if you froze him out. So I think it's actually good squad management, to be honest. I mean, in, in all in all senses, but that is speculation on my part. But what isn't speculation is that for the first 20 minutes of this game, let's be honest, we could have been three, four nil ahead. Who, wa- who, who wants to talk us through or just chat about this first 20, 30 minutes? I mean, I've got a lot to say, but uh, Gareth, kick us off. The first 20 minutes was, was excellent. It was, it was chance after chance. Richarlison, second minute, then fourth minute had a shot saved. Uh, Porro then poked one wide in the seventh minute. So I don't know what the X, I know, I know what the end XG was, but I'd be interested to know what the XG was after about 15 minutes. Cause I would have thought you said you were taking notes throughout. Goal. This isn't oh, taking notes yeah, throughout. Well, there's no XG notes on there. Come on, Milo. You can bring this up. He knows, he was taking notes on XG. I can, I can certainly tell you the XG at half time. So at half time, we were 1.78 and Luton were 0.09. Um, in the first half and possession was 82% to us, 18% to them. 82%? Um, yeah. Um, we, so, I mean, yeah, I'd agree with that. I thought, I thought the first half we were, we were very dominant. I thought the first 25 minutes or so, Luton were very open. They were, I was expecting them to sit a lot deeper than they did. And they let our centre backs have the ball and then we're trying to go man, man to man in uh, on the rest of the pitch. But we always seem to have a free man. And I, th- I thought we were finding our way through them pretty easily. They, they changed things slightly around, yeah, around the 25, 30 minute mark and came back into the game a little bit. Um, but you know, for all that, it, you know, <laughs> They, they didn't. They didn't create anything in the whole of the first half. So as Gareth said, we had you know five or six good chances. You mentioned those on top of that. You know, Sonny had a good good chance. Yeah. Decky had the shot that was uh, fingertip save round yeah. the post. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, I think we had you know five or six good chances in the first half. And on another day, we take them. And I think. Yeah, we take one of those early early goals and it's a very, very different game. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, it did feel that way. And it's funny, the one uh, that Richarlison sort of, uh, you know, you're looking and you're like, ah, just put your studs on it and it'll go over. But um, I think it was you who posted a, a picture mm. in our WhatsApp and he's having his shirt, like, I mean, his shirt is being pulled so hard. And again, it's tough to tell from freeze frame because you just don't know. Mm. It looks like he's being pulled slightly off balance. I, I mean, do, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I, mean do, I, watched, I watched the game back today and I don't think it's that hard. I think it's. Just, I think the photo is a bit deceptive on that yeah. that point. But I mean, he's def- he's, there's definitely contact. Definitely a tug there. I think the other thing with that one is actually the ball is a bit high, and you know, maybe you should have gone to head it rather than yeah. push it in yeah. with, his, with his studs. But I think once you committed to it, yeah. you know, you can't change that halfway no. through, can you? So, so question for you both about Richarlison. <clears throat> there is a theory, and we saw this with Teddy. Uh, well, uh, sorry, we saw this with Harry. You know, in his first couple of seasons, getting in positions early season but just not putting the ball away do you have the faith to continue do you get concerned or do you take the vision and the view that he's in he's getting in positions to miss them what what, what's your take on him at this point um i mean i think i think people a lot of this is down to people's kind of preconceptions of of him so if, if you look at his season so far he's got two goals and two assists in six starts he's had three subs um decky has got two goals and zero assists in nine starts now, I know that Richardson's played a handful of games at centre forward, um, but you know, he split half and half between the two positions. And I, I think people yeah, I think people are kind of people have got a preconceived idea and then they're kind of bending the evidence to fit it. I mean, I wasn't too worried with the game yesterday. I thought he was getting in positions, I thought he worked really hard. And 
on another day, you know, he's going to get a goal there. I, I mean, he's never going to be prolific, I don't think. He's never going to... I think 15 goals a season is probably a ceiling. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think people are looking for things to be worried about with him, really. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I think I'm one of them. Um, for me, he's just got real Soldado vibes about him. He's a bloke. He's a great trier. He brings he 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 brings things to the team, but he's not a prolific goal scorer. And when it comes to it, it didn't matter yesterday because we won the game one nil. But there'll be other games when it's nil nil or we're one nil down. And it flashes across the six yard box and he doesn't take the chance. So uh, he's maybe. He's probably playing in a, in an era where your number nine isn't judged on whether they score twenty goals plus per season. But he isn't a number but nine. I, I, he isn't a number nine. So you know we've got to judge his return against Solomon, for instance, who's the other player who could have played that position. And yeah, I think I think we got more out of him than we would have got out of Solomon in the same game in terms of threat. I think, I th- yeah, I think that's a very fair perception to put out there actually because it is a case of we do immediately see the number on his back and we see and we immediately then say well he's Brazil's number nine but of course you're quite right he rarely plays number nine for us he is usually on the left of the three uh, it's 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 it is a perception thing yeah I mean I, I'm always of the I, I'm always of the of the mindset that if a player is consistently getting into positions to score and they don't the tide will turn I mean that's just the way I feel in general about attacking players if they're there to miss they're going to be there to score they need one and then it's all going to happen but it's an interesting perspective when we look at it as him as a left as a yeah, left side of the attacker it's, it's it's a different perception altogether and well well stated now, if you if you look at the last two games you know so you take the Liverpool game where you know he set up Sun for one and you know the couple of shots across across yeah. the box he was you know he's getting into good positions and creating chances for others and in this game you know he's had he had two good chances and you know his pressing was tireless throughout and you know in the end he was sacrificed because we were a man down we don't know what he would have gone on and done in the second half i thought he was correct fine. yeah i i yeah Okay, well, we we move on from that. I mean, we you know you've already mentioned that Luton got back into the game. I mean, I, I think it would have been impossible to have played the next twenty five thirty minutes or whatever at the pace and, and and amount of dominance we played the first fifteen or twenty. I mean, I think the natural ebb and flow of football dictates mm-hmm. that you can't consistently batter a team like that for 45 minutes so sort of inevitable really wasn't it I don't think we we sat back as you said Luton made a, a, a couple of little switches and they they, they got back into yeah. the game and yeah I, well I, I think the f- we, 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 were, we were excellent for 25 minutes we were really really good on another day would have been 4-0 up um, however I, I think just to flip that slightly from Luton's perspective and I'm sure on, on whichever Luton podcasts are out there this week and the conversations the manager having they showed us far too much respect in the first 25 minutes and they probably weren't um, they probably weren't true to themselves and I would have thought the last 65 minutes were a better reflection of Luton than the first 25 minutes um, so I think once they once they realised that this was, you know, this was this this was a game, and they weren't just there to make up the numbers, they they gave us a little bit back on their home patch, um, and that's what made it difficult. It wasn't that we stopped doing anything. I think it was just that they started to play to somewhere near their potential, which you know ultimately probably won't be enough to keep them in the Premier League this year, because as we saw in the second half, they they don't possess the quality that you need, but. They've got some fight and they've got some battle about them, and you know, fair play to them. They 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 put it about a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I rewatched the game today, and so when I watched it live, um, I kind of thought, felt that that they, you know, that last kind of fifteen or so minutes of the first half, they they really came back into it. Um, I think watching it back today, I don't think they actually 
did so much. I mean, I think we um, we were a little bit flatter, but you know, we talked about that decky chance where um, where it's fingertips around the post. That was, I think, thirty six minutes, and you know, Madison had a shot over the bar. Sonny had a good chance. So you know, we still we were still creating chances. I think you know, obviously we started the game with you know two very 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 good chances that we really ought to be putting away. But we're still you know we're still creating chances as we go through that half. And and for all of that, Luton are creating absolutely nothing. There's nothing there. I mean, you raise a very good point. Again, perceptions versus real time, and you know, let this not be um, a point of shame more than a point of fact on my part. As I was saying to the boys here before we uh, started recording, I, at a four thirty a.m. start, I'm in the middle of a, a stint of uh, of travel that uh, basically meant I would have had two hours sleep if I got up to watch it. I did not watch it live. I did attempt to avoid all the reports about the game. Um, but, you know, <laughs> media being what it is, it's next to impossible. So before I got to my full match replay, I'd already been hearing about, like, you know, anxieties and so on and so forth over this. And, you know, we'll get into this a little later. But I agree with you. I, I Watching that first half, I, I never felt that we were anything less than in total control. I was never concerned. So it was a little strange to me to hear people get anxious. Um, I suppose it's because of the the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is the Eves Basuma um, situation, right? That must have spiked the anxiety. Um, well, so before we get into that, um, what I was going to say is that I think one of the things that Luton were doing is that there was a lot of kind of, you know, kind of pulling and niggling and, and fouls, which again, you know, we've talked about with you know teams at the bottom of the table, they've got to level things up somehow. They were doing that. They were getting away with quite a bit. And I think when we go into that Basuma sending off, I think that I think our players were getting a bit frustrated about some of that treatment. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think I think that led into Basuma throwing himself at the ground. I think you know, Luton were getting away with a bit. We weren't getting the protection, and they, they were successful in kind of breaking up our play a bit through fouling us. Yeah. So the, the first foul in the game is committed after twenty two seconds. Um, that was Jacob Brown on, on Madison and then Brown committed another foul, which I counted was the fifth foul they'd committed after 13 minutes. That one was on Richarlison. Was that the shoulder barge on Richarlison? I think it was, yeah. I, I took a real dislike to Jacob Brown, who, to be honest with you, I'd never heard of before that game. But just the look on his face. When, he, when he'd fouled Madison after 22 seconds, the camera sort of panned in on him and it was the face of, well, yeah, of course I'm going to foul him. Why wouldn't I? Uh, which as a referee so is a, it's, it's really irritating. It's, so I think that was going on throughout. It's so interesting. I I, I don't know whether, whether it's my slight bias because of my uh, my good friend Kev, who is a Luton fanatic. I don't know. I found them less annoying than Sheffield United in the sense of fouls. I, I found them, you know, significant. I mean, they, they were niggles and they were little. It felt... You know, they were aggressive. And as you said, Milo, they have they found, you know, they had to edge back into the game somehow and they had to get the crowd into it. And they did get their they did get the crowd into it. And that's a hostile crowd and good for them. I mean, they they really know how to make Kenilworth Road work to their advantage. But I didn't feel it was worse than Sheffield United. I, I'm not I, I'm not comparing it to other games. I think I mean, mm. I think this is the beauty of rewatching a game, because mm. when you watch it the first time, you know, you're still riding the emotions, aren't you? And I think, you know, so I mean, like Gareth, I was taking notes when I watched it first time. I went back and watched it again. And and then you can just look at what's happening. And I know when the changes in the play or what I thought were the changes in the play first time round. And second time round, you can start looking at, you know, what you think is changing there. What what are the patterns there? You know, I, I as I said before, you know, it, you know with Sheffield United, 
the the clubs that have come up you have got have got to even it up somehow so of course they're going to do things like that and it's down to the ref to 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 ref it um but i do think that was part of Basuma's thinking in 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 diving was that you know he thought if they're going to be physical then i'm going to try and take advantage of that and it you just picked the one time where it was a kind of fingernail on the shoulder rather than anything more than that. Yeah, I mean, let's just cut to the chase and talk about it. I mean, do, can we really have any complaints about those two yellow cards? I mean, I, I'll say that I don't at all. And I was quite happy to see a dive punished, albeit on our player. And I, But I don't hold... I mean, look, as everyone has said, he's played very well for us. It's a mistake. He'll move on. Yeah, I mean, I think... You see plenty of dives like that that don't get a yellow card. I was a bit surprised that he was booked for it, but it's you know it's you know it's a punishable offence. So you know maybe maybe I shouldn't be surprised about it. I've got no complaints about it because you know they were they were two two bookable offences. But yeah, I mean thinking about it, you know you think last week when we were criticising Yotta for getting you know kind of two yellow cards in was it twenty minutes he was on the pitch before he got sent off. I think there was nine minutes between his first yellow and yeah. and the second one i think it was 37 minutes was the first yellow and then 46 for the second one so you know same same goes if yes. he if he left it to the second half maybe he gets <laughs> gets away with it but well two two more minutes and he has a cupper the proverbial cupper at half time he cools off and and gets refocused i mean that's that's the truth of it you know yeah. so. well i was i was really annoyed with him for getting the first yellow card because it was a foul on on halfway they're not playing against Man City or Liverpool. I don't think there was the necessity to break up play on the halfway line. I mean, in fact, I'm not sure I quite remember this right, but it's the way that it's written in my notes that he got that yellow card, which we knew was going to mean he was going to be suspended because that was his fifth mm-hmm. yellow card. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that I've written this was the next note was that Luton non-goal. You know, quite rightly, it was it was disallowed, and I'm not sure if that came from the result in free kick. And I think when you're playing Luton, you're probably letting them run with the ball across the halfway line with four defenders back behind the ball, then you are giving him the opportunity to ping a ball into the edge of your penalty area. You you have a very good point, but I think this in turn plays back into Milo's point, which is the building aggravation of the physicality and thinking, well, if they can do it, then we can do it. So I, I think that, I, I think my favourite word of the year, dialectically speaking, I think both points are completely correct. And the only, pl- the only person who knows is Eves himself. I, I think the other thing is, is that... Yeah, our game plan is not to allow people to progress with the ball. Our game plan is to be hyper-aggressive and to press and close down teams and turn over the ball quickly. You know, a lot of our goals this season have come from high turnovers and, and playing quickly on from that. That is our game plan. And yeah, I think like yeah, with other elements of the game game plan, Ange accept, accepts that that carries risks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I think it's very obvious it, it, it had an impact on the game, as you said uh, about 10 minutes ago, Milo. It resulted in Richarlison uh, being substituted, uh, which, you know, uh, to bring on uh, Pierre, to, this is, you know, a direct result of Basuma going off. So immediately that affects the game. Obviously, it's affected by numbers. Um, let's talk a little bit through uh, what Ange did after the sending off aside from those substitutions. Well, we changed formation. We went from a we went to a 4-3-2 with um, Decky moving more centrally to play alongside Sun. Um, I think it's also worth pointing out at this point that Luton also changed things up at halftime. They went to a back three. They started the game 4-4-2. Um, they, they switched to a back three, which allowed their fullbacks to push up and meant that they could um, you know, use their man advantage to to break up play and press us you know, more in midfield. It made it very hard for us to get the ball forwards. 
Um, and then also uh, what we see through the second half until we make our change, until we we switch to a back five and bring on Royal. They've quite often they've got there's a couple of chances they get at the back post where they're pushing their fullbacks on and it's two against one at the back post and they're create they're two good chances um, in the second half come through that and yeah that's why we made the change and altered and then I think after that they don't you know there isn't much much there they don't they don't create much but I do think that there was um, you know as a result of us struggling a bit to play through midfield and hold possession because we you know we didn't have that advantage we're seeing quite a lot of long balls in this game which is something that we haven't really seen too much and um you know where we couldn't hold on to the ball obviously it's coming straight back at us so um Luton didn't create a huge amount in that second half really there's only two decent chances there I thought we did a pretty good job of uh, you know keeping them away from uh areas where they were dangerous but it felt a bit more tense I think because we weren't controlling the ball and we weren't you know able to progress it as we used to so yeah I think on the first viewing the second half was quite tense yeah there was there was probably about a 25 minute period in the second half either side of our goal where yeah they had a couple of chances and for me this was the biggest evidence of the risk and reward of of Ange Ball because it just felt like our fullbacks weren't defending in a way that we're perhaps conditioned to expect fullbacks to play and I think that is the risk and reward because there were there was occasions there was the one where there was a long ball forward and I think Morris beat Van der Ven in the air and the number 10 came on and I think Romero closed him down really well and he got nothing of the shot and went straight to Vicari but if you look at that Grammys if you screenshot that there's no sign of either Poro or Doggy at all in that picture um, and again I, I guess that's just risk and reward that's exactly what I wrote down at the time there were other occasions when certainly early on in the second half when we weren't stopping them crossing the ball I think once we did stop them crossing the ball that meant that they were then crossing from deeper positions which makes it far difficult and by the time we then brought Skip on as well and we were just crowding the edge of the area so we were defending the final third really well and we really sort of blunted them they that one chance that that did squeeze that one cross out from the left where um, my mate Jacob Brown headed the ball over the top of the crossbar mm. from about 15 yards out and that was that was really it after that was the only threat that they caused us so I thought there's some really good in-game management but I think what you saw there in microcosm is some of the best things about Ange Ball which will be the amount of options we've got in front of the ball which of course is completely the opposite as we've had last year um, but there will be times when we're exposed and possibly outnumbered if there's a quick turnover yeah I mean I thought so the chances there's the first one where they kind of got caught under the feet and kind of rolled out you know kind of rolled out with <laughs> Uh, over the line at the back post. The yeah. second one, which I was thought, very similar to Richarlison's one, wasn't it? It was yeah. almost exact same position, and that's the ghost of Mick the, Hartford inside the six-yard box or not. But. I thought the second one where they shot across the box. I thought Porro had done well to get back and cover yeah, the actual ang- angle on goal, and I, I think yeah. actually he'd closed off the the the, the shot on goal there. And then, yeah, and then you've got the header over, and that's it, really, pretty much for their chance for the, you know, despite having a man up and having, you know, more of the ball, actually, that's it for their chances that half. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that 47th minute or whatever it was, two minutes after half time, they missed that absolute sitter. I mean, I, I, I mean, proverbially speaking, it's easy in hindsight. If that goes in, it's a different game. But you sort of sense the deflation even in the ground, like when that didn't go in. And uh, from that point on, I, I, again, this is the interesting thing. When you watch a game and you're not watching it live, I, I'm watching the game. I didn't see anything other than us really managing the game very well with 10 men and never under never under pressure. I mean, I think, you know, the, the truth is that Luton really could do 
with a, an extra forward or two. Um, and I think Ange knows that the firepower at Luton is not quite there. And so just keep keep them at arm's length. Don't have to do anything fancy. Don't have to play our football 24-7, if you will, and see the game through, which is exactly what we did. I mean, it, it, I, I never felt the stress, but of course, again, I wasn't watching live. so no, I thought they, they were quite a blunt instrument, really, weren't they? They were either going to force a goal through power football or they weren't going to score. My um, my guttural instinct when Basuma was sent off in half-time was, we'll probably still be all right here. I'd still back us to win this game. I just felt that we, you know, over the pitch, we're more than 10% better than Luton and we'd probably cope with a man disadvantage, which is how it turned out. Yeah, yeah. Let's look at the goal. Um, it was lovely. So we got... Was it the third corner in succession that we'd yeah. had? And um, two, the other two had gone straight into the box. The third one, Decky plays it short to um, to Madison. Madison runs along the line and cuts back. And Van der Ven does really, really well, I think, to get the ball out from under his feet and get the shot away. Um, and yeah, it was really well taken. And I think that run along the along the line and cut back is something that we ought to be seeing more of. You know, I've sung the praise of Decky doing this loads of times. We haven't really seen him do it enough. And I think. It's such a dangerous area to run into and lay a ball back to that, yeah, we, yeah. I'd really want to see us doing more of it. But lovely goal, really well worked. Yeah, more comfortable for Madison because obviously he'll play it with his right foot when he's cutting in from there. Decky that finds that a little more uncomfortable on that side. But I actually, I, 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 I don't. I'd sorry, just one second. I really disagree with that. I think that's one of the things that Decky is best at. I think that cut in once he gets to that position, cuts in and lays back. I think that's the one part of his game that is truly, truly exceptional. And he doesn't do it enough. And I think it's it's partly I, agree. I think it's partly a confidence thing. So I think he I think he's really, really good in that area. And yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping yeah. I'm hoping we see it more when he gets more confidence. We're agreeing. We're agreeing. I'm just saying, Decky, if you're listening, what Milo's saying is trust your right foot when you cut in a bit more to pull the ball back. It's okay. Do it he can, do it. He can use his left he can use his left. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Well he got yeah. the assist for Sar against Man United. That was a low cross on his right foot. Yes. Um I remember Bentancourt's winner against Leeds last year was similar, that he just ghosted past the fullback and, and pulled it back. I don't think enough has been made, actually, of Van der Ven's uh, body shape to get to that finish. Absolutely superb. I mean, really, this is a centre-back we're talking about and yeah. a one that's new to the league. Significantly, again, it's sort of a near-post action as well. We've seen quite a lot of this, you know, this season, which is really exciting to me. Uh, we're, we're getting a lot of goals in those areas. I think the other thing you've got to bear in mind here is that because you know, because he's left-footed, he has to allow the ball to roll across his yes. body and then he's kind of turning yeah. with it and then he gets it out and gets the shot away. As, as I said, I yes. think it's a really, really, really neat goal, really, really excellent well finish. worked and, yeah, lovely. Yeah, the te- yeah, no, yeah, technically really good goal, yeah, because you've got to sort your footwork out and you're not going to get a great purchase on it because it's it's um, coming at you from that angle and that pace. But he did say in... I'm sure, maybe I imagined it, but I'm sure he said post-match that he knew that they do a lot of work and he had a good idea where Madison was going to put it, which is why he was positioned where he was. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's one of the, the Ange signature balls. You know, we, we're not seeing hide balls into the box. We're seeing, you know, low crosses in and from there and into that area is, um, yeah, one of his signatures. Part of my frustration with the Liverpool game is we didn't get ourselves into that position enough. We weren't creating those kind of chances because that's where we get, we could have created space and created more chances. So, yeah, I'm, it's, it's something I want to see a lot more from us. Yeah, it was. And, you know, from that point on, uh, obviously, I think we've, we've you know, we, we've all agreed, you know, Luton 
didn't really create too many more chances. You know, obviously they're going to come at us. They're going to try and use the crowd. Again, I'll mention I thought that crowd was was wonderfully hostile in an old school way. <laughs> Can I just come in on that point? I say, I, I mean, Gareth, I'm sure that you're going to, that you were thinking this all during the game. Wasn't it nice to see kind of regional um, advertisers around the ground yeah, on the kind of right. hodgepodge, hodgepodge stands that look like they've been yeah, 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 kind yeah. of stuck together and uh, kind of made out of uh, old shoe boxes and uh, cereal Absolutely, boxes and yeah. what have you. It's um, well, Yeah, fair play to, to noble solicitors from Luton who I'm sure have had that exact same sign <laughs> there for probably the last time that we played there 31 years ago. Um, yeah. It seems like yeah. it's a staple of Kenilworth Road is noble solicitors being advertised <laughs> so prominently behind that goal to the right as the camera looks and fair play to them they've now got however many billion people around the world seeing their products on a weekly basis now yeah a couple of old school songs coming from the Luton fans I mean it was a pro I mean it really was like you know it did it they did a good the crowd did the best they could mm. they really did and I, again I repeat I think a lot of teams are going to go there and find it you know fairly tough going you know especially if they were to get a striker in the window I think it might change their fortunes but anyway was this as impressive a result um, for both of you as some of our free-flowing uh, wins? I think it was because we won with 10 men and it was level when we were reduced to 10 men. I think it's one thing if you've got a lead to hold on to, that's one thing. I know we did, you know, there's only seven minutes of the game between us being down to 10 men and then taking the lead. But I think that's quite impressive to go and do that. Um, I, yeah, I When Luton will get relegated this year, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty certain of that. So I'm, I'm, I'm answering that question. What do we think of Luton again here? Um, it's, I don't think it's a result that's going to linger in the memory for years and years and years to come. But there's a certain character that comes with winning in that sort of adversity. Oh, yeah. And you, you've got to win as many games with those sort of qualities and attributes as you do through all the free flowing stuff. So yeah, it's not going to be, it's not going to be top billing on the end of season DVD if they ever made it again, but these will be a really important three points. They're going to help us get to something. I love that you said DVD. Brilliant. (laughs) I've got them on VHS still, but (laughs) I I think, I mean, again, this is something we've come back to kind of most weeks in that, you know, this is a young team, a new team. And they're learning together. And I think every step that we've had along the way helps and builds that confidence. You know, we've had those last minute winners against Sheffield United and Liverpool, which will build confidence in the team. You know, we've gone to, to Arsenal and put in a really good performance and, you know, come away with some points there, which is, is not easy. Um, you know, we beat Man United at home. All of these things are, I think, are kind of building that and building that belief. And I think, um, you know, much as kind of overcoming a team last week that had, you know, down to nine men defended their area really well and it was difficult to get through them I think this week kind of the reverse of that is you know kind of going down down a man ourselves and coming through the other side of that is really going to help build that confidence and that belief in the team and belief in each other so I think yeah I think it was impressive it you know it wasn't pretty particularly it's um you know I don't have any VHS or even DVDs anymore um so even if it was there was an end of season DVD I wouldn't be buying it but um yeah, it was, it was, I think it's important. And, um, you know, it's just a delight at the moment to see this team grow week on week. Yeah. I, I'm actually getting back into the thought of DVDs because there's so many power cuts and so much internet disruption in my, my area that half the time it all goes out and then there's nothing to watch as I go back to my DVD. So I, I may well buy an end of season DVD if it comes out. But the point of, uh, whether it was an impressive win, I think it's been an impressive season. And as you just said, these are chapters in learning. They're learning 
learning chapters all, all, all the time. I think the one consistent thing you can say about this team is that they all play for each other and they all believe in each other. And, and that's very apparent from the first minute to the last. And uh, whatever the conditions, whatever the adversities that have come up, whatever the weirdness that a game has been throwing at them this season, and we've been involved in a fair few weird situations, they managed to maintain focus on the, ta- on the task at hand. Their maturity versus their age does not compute for me thus far. And that's, I think, one of the most impressive things of all. You've got defenders. I mean, Andrew was talking about the defence after the game. You know, and he was saying that he thought thinks that Christian Romero's a massive, massive factor, World Cup winner. And you look, this is not a defence that has really played together. Yet they, yet they are an iron fist. The goalkeeper is, is, is tremendous. Uh, very impressive. I mean, I, th- I think the age is the reason they can do it. And I think the reason that Ant yes. prefers younger players, in the same way that Potts used to prefer younger players, is that they're moldable, they're shapeable. Yeah. And I think if we had a team packed full of older, experienced players or veterans, I don't think you could do this because I don't think they'd buy into it. If you were telling them that we're effectively going to play, you know, two, three, five formation and you're going to press from the first minute until the last and don't worry about, you know, you can, and yeah. your, your furthest back player is going to be on the halfway line and, you know, You'd get a hairy eyebrow from someone. Yeah. yeah. They just wouldn't buy into it. And I think, you know, so I think, yeah, the youth is important. I think that's the factor. That's why it works. I mean, it also works that we've got partnerships there that, that work, you know, Van der Ven and, and Romero, you know, I mean, they're a great fit on paper, which we, we talked about in the summer and how they would complement each other. But the fact that they clicked pretty much immediately, I don't remember them really having any communication issues or any misunderstandings in their game all season, which I don't think we were expecting in the summer. I think we were expecting there to be a couple of times where, you know, someone got caught upfield and, and we were caught in the break it hasn't really happened well this is and where i this is where i think it's uh, remarkable i mean i think that's yeah, a remarkable yeah, no. thing it's, it's it's and that's that's something that doesn't it doesn't actually make sense in in many ways what you're saying is right the youth leads to the bravery and the commitment and and and, and the and the moldability but still you still need those relationships to work yeah and they're working I, I, it's unbelievable I, I i do think that actually buying smart is a factor in that as well. I think, you know, obviously the coaching is important, but I also think, you know, I think buying smart is, is important. We have, we have bought well, I think on the whole. And, you know, obviously the kind of physicality of the players that Paratici liked, I think is a factor. I think, you know, we've got a fit team here who are strong and can, can carry on and can do carry out this kind of instructions. Um, and if he'd like to slightly different part of profile, a player, I think maybe that would be less like, you know, less easy to pick up. Um, or you know, less likely to be successful. Um, and there's obviously been bits and pieces that Andrew's been working out as he's gone along. You know, I mean, obviously, Sonny as striker is probably the main one. You know, we, he was starting out on the left. It was Richardson up front. It was kind of that change was almost forced on him, and then it, it's worked, and he's stuck with it. Um, but other than that, really, I mean, obviously, Royal started the season, but then um, mm-hmm. you know, very quickly um, was dropped for uh, for uh, for Porro. Um, Skip and Sar. Skip, Skip and Sar was the question mark early on, but again, Sar came in, was better, and and held the position. So yeah, I mean, it's there hasn't been too much experimentation. He, he's he's found what works very quickly and stuck with it. He trusts his players. He really trusts them, and and you can see it. They are that they're 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 playing with a sense of young men who have the trust of their manager. I mean, that, that to me is an extremely impressive thing. I mean, everything about Andrew's behaviour during a match 
is, is highly impressive to me. I mean, we've talked about this before, not performative, doesn't go in for any of that. Quite calming, I think, you know, obviously authoritative, but not to the point of constriction. Mm. It's also uh, so, so important. I mean, the only, again, kind of treading over old ground, sorry, listeners, I keep going back to this kind of thing, but I think the only question mark in the team probably is, um, is left wing, um, you know, and for, for you know, for my stout defence of uh, Richarlison early on, earlier on, that's that's the position where you say, you know, it's not definite who's going to start there, and you know, for, uh, when we've was it Fulham our next game, um, you know, Johnson should be back. It's going to be a question mark as to whether it's Johnson or or Richarlison who's starting that game, and then you know, Brian Hill should be fit. So if you know, if he if he makes an impact from the bench, it's hard to see him starting straight away. But if he makes an impact from the bench, then maybe he can claim that position. Um but that's the only real position in the in the team where you where there are question marks. Yeah, it's interesting you yeah. bring that up because they are, they were talking to Andrew about that and when he broke down the players we have, you know, in the squad, uh it was again you, you know, he was very factual about it. He said, look, on paper right now we've got injuries, but look at who's coming back. We're actually I mean he was basically saying, look, quite well stocked in that area to get through to, yeah. to January or whatever. So don't panic was basically what he was saying. And he's right. Yeah, I mean, that was going to be my point about it. Yeah, we're very lucky, actually, where we've got um, a number of inj- injuries in the same same position. It's a position where we've actually got quite a few players. Um, so, you know, with Hillback, Johnson and Richarlison, you know, potentially LaCelso, Madison, Sun. Um, you know, I mean, if you really wanted to, you could play a doggy there, couldn't you, and push and um, play Ben Davis behind him. You've got you've got options there. You've got depth. If we had mm-hmm. the same injury problems at centre back, then we'd be truly fucked. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you about uh, both about Sonny and Madison because obviously he's in this situation right now, um, and where he's subbing them around seventy seventy five minutes. He's taking them both out. Uh, to some people, this is a very brave move. Uh, to him, it's uh, both practical and you know he trusts his squad. Twofold question. Are we managing light injuries there, do you think? Are we managing workload on our two, you know, probably most important creative players? Well, not even probably, it's a cert. Our most important creative players. Or is this, you know, is this uh, a tactical thing that he does? No, it's managing fitness, particularly with Sonny. Sonny's got a tight groin and um, wasn't able to train for the first half of last week. And that's been a condition he's had for, um, you know, I don't know, about three weeks now. And obviously it was, he had a groin, groin surgery in the summer. So that's got to be a slight concern. Um, so I think it's just, you know, giving him 60, 70 minutes and then trying to, to preserve him. I think it's a real shame that he's gone off on international duty. I mean, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect yeah. him to do anything less. He's captain of his country. He's obviously very, very proud of playing for his country. Um, but he's likely to play, you know, 90 minutes in both those games. Klinsman, um, will run him into the ground. And, uh, that's, really is that established? I, I, I don't know. I mean, did that, were there any conversations with, with, has anything come out about possible conversations with Klinsman to maybe? No, of course not. No, I mean, uh, um, I mean, uh, Ange was asked about it after the game and he said, you know, he was an international manager. He wanted his best players available when he was an international manager. He wouldn't, you know, ask another manager not to select one of his players, but he, but he knows, he, <laughs> he knows that Klinsman will be sensible. Um, all of my South Korean friends, um, say that that's a ridiculous suggestion because Klinsman won't be sen- uh, sensible and he'll run him into the ground. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd much rather that Sun had a couple of weeks off now and was you know fresh for Fulham. I think that's probably exactly what he needs. That's not going to happen. Um, Madison, maybe there's less chance of him playing both the England games. I don't know. Mm. You know, there's a bit more competition there, isn't there? Um, but 
again, I think he could probably do with a bit of a rest. I think, you know, again, another thing we noticed with Madison very early in the season is that he doesn't have to get some treatment because he's so tricksy. People are kicking him all the time. And yeah. um, it's, you know, you're going it, 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 to, it's going to mount up, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so I said he was, he was kicked after 22 seconds of the game yesterday. And when you go towards the end of the game, and of course, we're not talking about 90 minute games anymore, are we? We're talking about trying to manage injuries up to potentially 105 minutes. So you're going into what's known as the red zone then when you're more liable to pick up an injury anyway. So particularly Madison does get whacked about. Looking at Sonny's fixture, so South Korea play Tunisia on Friday. And then they play Vietnam on the Tuesday. And these are both friendlies. Mm-hmm. Um, Madison, so England play against Australia, I think, in a friendly. Mm-hmm. That's back end of this week. And then they play Italy in the qualifier. I, knowing how conservative Southgate is, I can't believe that he'll pick Madison and Bellingham in a midfield for a, for a qualifier of that game. So I think that might work in our favour. I think he's more likely to play against Australia and get maybe 70, 75 minutes and then be a sub against Italy. Um, the other advantage we've got, and this doesn't always work out for us, is that our game against Fulham's on the Monday night. Mm. So that is potentially you know, two and a half days of extra recovery time as well. It didn't then help us that we play Palace on the Friday following that, so we play Monday, Friday. But this time, I, I'd imagine the impact will be slightly slightly less. Um, Liverpool, believe it or not, have got the Saturday 12.30 game. which I know, I know it's very funny, isn't it? Yeah, Merseyside Derby as well. They're probably printing up T-shirts in protest as we speak. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 does anyone fancy a coffee bet, Miley? Fancy a coffee? I'm going to, this is just my, you know, my wishy fan head. I can't see you. There's only so many coffees I can take off you in one season. Well, so that's okay. All right, you've you know we've got we've got a standing one from before. If you want another one, I think I don't think Jurgen's going to play him. Uh, the, uh, I don't think he's going to flog him in these friendlies. I think he's going to probably let him make his 45 minute appearance in each game and be done with it. So, is, what, what is the coffee bet? You think he's going to play a total of 90 minutes across the two games? I think he's going to not play two full games. Let's just say that. And I don't. And we're not talking 80 minutes. Yeah, I, I'll commit to that. I'll commit to no more than 60 minutes per match at most. He's going to get at least 30 minutes off each game. That's my coffee bet. If you want to take it. <sighs> this is easy coffee. So what, 120 <laughs> minutes altogether then? Just... Yeah, I think Jurgen's. I think I don't think Jurgen's going to play him uh, uh, anywhere close to to what to what minor things. But I could be completely wrong. I mean, I, I... I'm going to be the coffee king. <laughs> okay, all right. So you're taking the bet. We're taking that's our second coffee bet of the season. Milo's either going to be more jacked up on caffeine uh, come Christmas than anyone uh, I've known uh, in London for some years, or who knows, maybe it'll be me. Let me just get this clear. So if he plays <laughs> over 60 minutes in either game, the coffee's mine. Yeah. Uh, sure, I'll acquiesce to that, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, easy coffee. Yeah. I wouldn't even bet the carton of UHT milk on that. Really? Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's what. That's where idealism and dreaming gets you. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But it's it's fun. It's a little challenge. But yeah, I can't see him flogging uh, Sonny. It just doesn't make sense to me. I think you're underestimating just how shit a manager Klinsman is. He's well, awful. That's 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 possible. But what I am o- maybe overestimating, and this is possibly more important, is that he's going to take one look at N17, see that we're top. He doesn't give a shit about us. Hang on, let me finish my dream. Don't shit on my dream before I've finished. And he's going to think the mighty Tottenham Hotspur, I must do whatever I can to help them and keep myself in a job over here. So anyway, uh, (laughs) we'll see. We'll see. 
Well, I think we've discussed what we've learned about this team. I mean, we've discussed. Yeah. We might even have discussed what we thought of Luton. Uh, do we want to go back to Luton one more time? Anyone fancy? Uh, I, I've got one point that I've been holding back rather than okay. blurting out all the way through it. So, okay. I'm, I'm kind of on you saying about them, you know, they're a striker away. I, mean, I think they're a bit more than that. I think what you've got to bear in mind with Luton is I think they're ahead of schedule. I, they weren't expecting to come up last season and they'll take this season as a bonus. And I think they're probably taking the approach that Norwich have. I think Norwich are a, a, a bit of a role model to a lot of those kind of mid-sized clubs who are you know, in the championship in that if you can do you know, season up, season down, or you know, you're in the Premier League one season out of three, then you're doing well. You know, run on a championship budget, but take Premier League money once every three seasons and you're doing all right. And I think that's probably how Luton will look at this. This is a free hit. They'll bank the money. They can they can help improve a, a championship squad and then put themselves in a position to come back up again in uh, a season or two's time. Is my guess. No, I, I I completely agree. I mean, I I I think that their I think their story is extraordinary. Um, uh, it's an excellent rebound story. I love it. Really happy. I think Rob Edwards is a is a is a, is a cred- really credible manager. I think he's you know carries himself well, handles himself well. <laughs> so on on the Sky commentary, they were saying the uh, gantry was just above the dugout. And he was swearing profusely all the way through the game, and there was, uh, I think, one of the commentators was saying to, saying to the other, you know, Fletcher Genius, yeah, it was they saying to, you thought he was swearing at you? It's so loud yeah. that uh, it sounded <laughs> like he was swearing at them." So, um, the only thing, the other thing I say about Luton, I think this is, uh, you know, maybe a little unfi- unkind of me, but I've got a bit of a grudge against all of the old plastic pitch clubs. So, <laughs> I like Preston, Oldham. Oldham, QPR. QPR why yeah. Oh, just, God. Why don't so, you ditch that grudge like you've ditched DVDs and VHSs so proudly about 10 minutes earlier? Get, leave it behind with those, for Christ's just, sake. It, it's just like, it's not just a, yeah, just a little bit peevish about uh, the, the clubs that had plastic pitches in <sighs> the 80s and 90s. Oh, my word. Well, I, I'm going to finish my Luton point because I hadn't finished. Um, I, I And I do think it's important to say that uh, I think they're a very hard side. There's no doubt we talked about that, but I don't think they're dirty, if that makes sense. Tough, niggly, whatever, but I did not think they were a dirty side. I'll tell you what, they were a lot less dirty in my mind than Liverpool were last week. And I, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I mean, I, I, Liverpool are a, Liverpool are a dirty sign, quite malicious at times. They'll go for you. Now, I thought everything that we saw here, it was hard, niggly, but I don't think there was anything, you know to go out and really malicious as we've agreed it's part of a survival tactic so yeah i mean i think it was probably one of our tougher games of the season this is this was the let's be honest this is the proverbial banana skin for us everyone wanted to stick the y on the end of our of our nickname right everyone was looking for it and it didn't happen i mean gareth i I know what you like about it 12 30 saturday kickoff third you know hated third strip Going into the game off the back of a you know a win against a, you, you must have been looking at these thinking like how many hexes can we have on a fixture and um... so true yeah. yeah 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 no absolutely absolutely there was there was there was, there was just the narrative coming through commentary wasn't it they were desperate for Luton to score they were trying to suck the ball into the net there was definitely a narrative set after about fifteen minutes that Tom Lockyer was going to be the man of the match which didn't materialise in the end. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pleased we got the fixture out of the way. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've, I've got to ask this before, one positive, one negative. We look at the table, we look at it tonight, we'll be looking at it for the next, uh, what, two weeks? How much stock 
do you put in the table right now, each of you? Very little. Uh, you know, it's a, we've done well. You know, we've played well on the whole. Um, I think you know, we deserve to be there, but it's eight games. And you know, this, time last, this time last season, we were also you know, quite high up the, the table and we're doing well. And well, at least the, we were getting points. We weren't necessarily playing particularly well, but we were getting points. And look how that fell away. So uh, yeah, I'm not saying that's happen, happening, but you know, our squad is thin. And you know, a couple couple more injuries to key players, and and it's going to be very very difficult. So, uh, you know, I think I think if we you know, if we keep injury free, we carry on you know carry on as we are, then you know we're in a really good place. And obviously, the aim's got to be to get to January, strengthen, and then push on to the second half of the season. But um, but it's going to be tough. It, you know, it's going to be tough. But one thing I would say actually, though, you know, City lost today. They've lost twice so far this season. This might be one of the seasons where they have a bit of a wobble and and then it's 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 who who's in the best place to to push you know to push on and go for it and if you look at you know obviously man united are having a bad time of it it looks like the squad's really unhappy liverpool have got some really good players but they their rebuild looks unfinished arsenal you know a, a you know, a, a good team. They're they're a strong team, but they haven't quite settled since the you know the new signings in the summer. So, you know, I think if City wobble, you'd probably say they're favourites to take the title. But you know, it's there. If if City have an off season, if City have uh, you know finish you know third or fourth, it's there, and we've got to put got to put ourselves uh, you know in position for it. So, Gareth, yeah. Gareth, I think we just witnessed Milo saying that he thinks we're going to win the league. That's what it sounded like to me. It yeah, sounded like you were saying that, that a little bit, right? A little bit. Betting slip with something. Do you want a coffee, coffee written on it right now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd. You know what? I, you know what? Don't tempt me because you know you know where I could go with that. But uh, no, I mean, look. In 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 all truth, I mean, I think what you've said is is pretty much. I mean, Gareth, why don't you? I mean, do you you agree with that? Pretty much word for word or not? I think if you get off to a good start and you can b- build some momentum mm-hmm. behind you, you've suddenly got a tally of points, and it's then difficult to to drop too far behind that. Particularly with the run of fixtures that we'll have this year, or at least the lack of midweek and European distractions that we'll have. So we're we're averaging two and a half points a game at the moment which you know, clearly isn't sustainable over a 38 game season but if we can maintain even something close to two points per game that's going to get us well into the mid mid 70s and as you say if it happens to be that what one year in six or seven when there's a bit of a power vacuum and you know and City have an off year or get distracted by other things then then who knows so I think the I think my only concern with the league table and the results is that at the start of the season we, we, we were all saying this is all about the vibes, isn't it? It's, it's, it's about wanting to, to play well and enjoy games. And we're maybe close to crossing that line where suddenly you think, mm. I just want to win 1-0 every week. And that's maybe just something that we, we, we need to try and weigh up. No, I, I think that's balance. an excellent point. And I think that if we can maintain that both as a club and a fan base, I actually think that's the secret to maybe continuing a run that could become improbably successful is that we all accept what you're saying that the the priority this season was to have our club back now i think that's excellently stated but, but i do think expectation will change i think people are already going to the ground going to home games expecting to be entertained expecting to have a good time and expecting us to put in a really strong performance but i think that's part of the thing you know with the atmosphere that's part of the thing with the vibes can i just ask gareth a quick question so gareth can you just let me somewhere 
Do you have a spreadsheet where it's saying five more wins to stay uh, stay up, guarantees staying up? Or <laughs> that is, um, where is it? Five more wins that let's give us thirty five points this year. Oh, it's not enough. Six more wins. Yeah. Give, give, give it another six. Give it another yeah. six. Um, but no, in, no the, the, the thresholds you want to try and meet are, I think, sixty five points to guarantee your sixth. And then once you start getting to the seventies, then you got you got a very very good chance of finishing fourth or above. And then once you start getting into the eighties, then then sort of second place and be, you know, beyond that. I do just Enjoy. want to go back to the point you were making there, Milo. I think it's it's uh, about you know uh, the expectations and crowd. I think it's very very important. Um, a very important point. We are going to have a wobble. I mean, I think we expected the defence to be far shakier than it has been by virtue of the way we we were going to play. It hasn't happened. Um, we're already seeing a little bit. We saw a little bit of online sort of activity about Ysbissouma and going on and on I, and like, you know, terrible. I think, the fa- I think we have to. I, it's going to be very important for this team. If we do have a wobble and we do slip and we will lose a game, that we remember the mission. And that yeah, will, I, can keep the players on point because they are young and they could sway the other way if it gets if it was to, to get intoxic in any way. So I don't know. I don't know where you saw that, but I assume maybe it's just that I've blocked everyone who says that I just don't frequent those places anymore because I, I haven't seen any of that at all. And but one thing I would say actually, I think you know when we talk about the vibes, when we talk about the good atmosphere at games, particularly home games at the moment, I do think that the undercurrent. Uh, kind of underlying all that is actually a, a sense of humor and a sense of kind of self-depreciating humor um and that people are, are actually just enjoying their football again after kind of four pretty grim years and you know if you look at the henry winkler stuff or you know the robbie williams stuff or you know what's happening in and around the ground or you know free from desire at the end of a end of a game when there's a win and people not leaving the stands and people you know people are staying around tottenham after a game all of this kind of stuff, I think, is actually. I think we. I think we're just you know happy to be enjoying our football again as well. So I, you know, I, th- I think that's still there. I don't think we're. I don't think people are getting cocky. I don't think people are getting no. entitled. I don't think that's there. Which which you know happens after maybe a few seasons of being good. I think at the moment everyone's it's, everyone's on vibes. They are, but it's going to be important that that we remember that if we do slip and if we do lose because again you, you know young confidence can be quite fragile and it's i think the key to everything we're doing this season is the belief in what the manager's telling them to do which let's face it is 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 extremely adventurous so anyway yeah. i think we're at yeah. one uh one positive one negative in 30 seconds gareth you look like you're primed okay. This is this is completely isolated to the game yesterday. Um, but my my positive was uh, Kulisewski's performance. I thought he was our man of the match. I know Van der Ven was the TV man of the match, which is it's very root it's very root one, isn't it? Your team wins one nil and you give it to the goal scorer. Um, but I thought I thought Kulisewski was excellent. Um, he's I've been quite critical of him this year and you know and bits of last season. But I thought he really played as a lone front man for the latter parts, and he actually held on to the ball as well and allowed us to get you know, 30 yards further off the pitch and you know held on to the ball as well um the negative for me i'm just going to call it individual gross acts of stupidity so one of which was Bissouma's double yellow card um and the fact that he's got himself suspended i find that some really clever players often get to four yellow cards and then you assume it's a ticking time bomb before they get the fifth one and actually they go about seven or eight games without picking up a fifth one so to have got five yellow cards in eight eight games and to get two yellow cards in some and the other one i don't know whether you noticed it right at the end of the game we um we were down to nine players for a while because mm. Pierre 
went down with an injury, which because the ball hit him on the ribs, and I think he thought, I'm just going to take some time out of the game. And he'd obviously forgotten the new rule that if you're injured and the physio gets called on because you stayed down, then you've got to go off the pitch for 30 seconds, and that would have been critical. So that's kind of a learn the rules, guys, because they do change and they are quite crucial. Just one briefly on, on Basuma with the suspension. So although he got two yellows, he's only suspended for one game, and this, the second one becomes a rollover almost. So he's back on four yellow yeah. cards. So if he misses Fulham, if he gets suspended again, if he gets a yellow card against Palace, then he misses Chelsea. Yeah. And then after that, we've got that, we're, we're going into that run where we've got, um, you know, we're getting close to that run where we've got, you know, Villa, West Ham, City, Newcastle, what Newcastle, have you. So yeah. Yeah. I think the chances are that he's going to miss one of those big games and, you know, we're forgetting to, to five yellows again. So yeah, it's, um, it's a bit tricky now in terms of, Kind of balancing it. And is it recent? Do we have to get through to January before? It is, I think, ultimately, because, yeah, you'd get a two game ban if you get 10, don't you? Which is right towards the end of the season, about Easter yeah. weekend normally. I forget when the cutoff is for five. I've got a feeling it's some point in January, maybe early January. Right. Yeah. It's whatever match week um, 19 or I, 20 is. I, I think we can quite safely say that he is going to get another ban. I don't think he's going to be able to quite turn it around in terms of playing through and playing on those lines this quickly. And and in fairness to him, he's had, he had a very frustrating start to his career with us. Suddenly he is the, you know, the, one of the main men driving us. So I think it's a little bit of an adaptation period for him as well. I mean, I feel yeah, that he's got enough credit. He's got enough credit in the bank this season that we'll just put it down as a, you know, as a, you know, as a blemish. And yeah, and I don't. I, to, to be honest with you, I don't care about him picking up yellows. I, I, you know, I really don't. And I think actually, what you know, I think I agree with you what you're saying about Decky. I think it was quite nice to see him up front on, on his own because I've wondered what he'd be like as a centre forward. He did a great um, job. So, he did a great I, I job. He did, I thought he did all right. Yeah, he worked really hard. Um, yeah. I thought Hoybier did a really good job as well. Yeah, and I think um, I think he's been. You know, quietly going about his business, you know, mainly from the bench this mm-hmm. season. I think he's he's been really useful, and uh, I, yeah, I thought he had a good game. Is that a positive? Is that your positive? No, it's not. Um, I'm just kind of waffling on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my positive, my positive is actually is, is taking three points from this. I think um, it, you know, it's a it's a tough one to get through. We did well, um, and you know, as we said earlier on about. The kind of this, the team learn, learning. I think they would have taken a lot from this, and it is an important hurdle to get over. Um, I think the negative, um, yeah, probably the same as Gareth. Really, just those kind of those silly mistakes, and um, just made it a little bit, a little bit harder for us. Yeah, I, I the positive is reflected with pretty much a, an amalgam of what you both said for me. Um, it, it was, I think, it's a, I think it was a very tough game. I mean, everyone sees these games as gimmies. Uh, I I think that's ridiculous. You know, these are tough games. They present new challenges. And we came through another new challenge for us this week. Um, It's actually quite tough for me to come up with a negative. I think, as a matter of fact, I'm I'm not going to say I found anything negative this this weekend. Even the yellow, the the double yellow on Bissouma, it's an education. He's learning. He's learning. Now you're the man. Now you're in the spotlight. You've got to manage yourself better. And... Hindsight allows me not to see it as a negative because we saw the game through. So I'm not going to levy a negative. I'm going to leave it right there. The week that was. So the the Athletic reported on Thursday that we have held exploratory talks with Johan Lang about becoming our next director of football. Lang is currently the Global Director of Football Development and International Academies at Aston Villa, and he's been in that role since June. 
Uh, he was previously uh, Aston Villa Sporting Director uh, from July 2020. Prior to that, he was the Technical Director to FC Copenhagen from May 2014 to July 2020. Um, thoughts on this uh, on this growing story? Um, I mean, I think the rumours were that we weren't going to be going for a big name. And we know that you know, we've been using data more in terms of identifying players. I think he fits with both of those. Um, I've been reading up a bit about him at Villa. I don't think he's given any interviews while he's been there. And um, one of the things that he did after coming in was to build up um, a new data analytics team and um, you know build that side of the game. Um, so you know he seems to fit fit those profiles. Um, he looks like he's been sidelined a little bit at Villa, so you know presumably would be up for a move. Um, but you know, like anything, it's always very difficult to know who does what within this kind of setup. So you know, don't know. But what I've read about him seems to fit with what we're looking for. Yeah, ditto that really. It's so hard to judge the suitability of someone without knowing exactly what their job role is going to be and how they'd fit into the existing structure. But that's who it Scott feels Mond like thinks. whatever's going on at our club, you sort of feel that the homework has been done and you're already, well, I am already very, very enthusiastic about this appointment purely based on 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 how well this team has worked in putting itself together thus far uh and and he has been responsible for some pretty decent uh players coming in at villa right so yeah yeah i mean you don't this is the kind of point isn't it you don't know who does what behind the scenes so yeah they've they've signed some different decent players i mean i'm a little bit more critical of villa than others i think um I think they have done some good business, and I think particularly the way they handled kind of Grealish going and replacing him, I thought was pretty good. But they've been a bit scattergun in terms of their management appointments, and I think some of the stuff there is, is luck rather than judgment. But I mean, they're heading in the right direction. So yeah, again, maybe I'm just being a bit peevish. That's my word for the week, Steph. Peevish. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very good. I expect um, to hear it one more time before this pod ends, and I'm going to give sure you, I'm going to give in. you the opportunity. I guarantee, because there's something that's not okay. in our notes. I'm going to bring up, and oh, you, okay. will, you will say peevish. I guarantee it. As a matter of fact. I bet you a coffee on it, but, <laughs> but anyway, I can't. Uh, I can't want... take too much coffee off you. I'll take this one. So, um, <laughs> manager, player, and save of the month. So, Ange and Sonny out for Premier League manager and player of the month, respectively. And Vicario is uh, been nominated for save of the month for his fingertip save against Burnley. Obviously, they all deserve to win. So, get yourself over to the Premier League website and vote for them now. Uh, voting closes lunchtime on Monday. Googly Googly Elmo Vicario, surely Vic, big Vic. <laughs> Googly Elmo Vicario, folks. <laughs> Gareth, in you go. Come on. Well, incorrectly, last month when I spoke and we had exactly the same conversation about player, manager and save of the month. And I said they're all a waste of time because it's just about the fans, the fans base who are the most reactive to this sort of thing. I didn't realise that the fan vote only equates to something like 10% of the total decision makers. So there is a panel that the Premier League set up to of which they that. use that as a part of No, 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 it's good because it means that Arsenal and Liverpool fans can't. He just said go and vote and you're just saying it's only worth 10%. Don't do that. It's um, yeah. There's still some. There's still some waiting. It's still. It's still worth doing. It's still worth voting for. And you get in as I did when I voted for Sonny. I've been entered into a 150 pound draw now. So mm. who knows? There we go. Um, well, I'd actually called you in to read the next news item. So carry on. Euro 2028. White Hart Lane. That's as it's written here. Will be hosting games at Euro 2028. It was announced this week that the UK and Ireland has been successful in their bid to host the tournament because no other sod standing. Um, so the question is, what would be your dream international fixture at White Hart Lane? 
first, and, um, first of all, how, how dare you question the use of White Hart Lane in these notes? What on earth is that about? You, you can tell who wrote this question or this section, can't you? Where, where, well, where, that, how we, that how we refer be, to the ground. That being said, I mean, it is that that is the name that we've sort of agreed that we will continue to call it. So, um, but I, I know yeah. you you were you were jesting, of course. Everyone, uh, for factual purposes, it is Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, but this pod proudly proclaims that we will call it the Lane or White Hart Lane. So uh, in fairness to Gareth, he was being accurate and we are being nostalgic and uh, maybe um, emotionally accurate, we'll say. So Dream International fixture at White Hart Lane in the Euros. Should we keep this to teams that might actually play in the Euros? Hmm. Yeah, because my my initial response was going to be well I don't see Argentina play there because of the connections to the club mm. historically but of course they're well I say they're not going to play in Euro 2028 but then there's a World Cup coming up four years after that that's going to take place in six different countries and so who knows what FIFA and you are getting a bit peevish the there yeah, well, very good second use you've got one more use that's coming I'm telling you um, I, I don't know I feel that due to the nature of this question I think we should let Milo come in because I know he's got an answer I hadn't really thought about it to be honest I'd say i <laughs> The Dutch, I think. Netherlands. I like and I say who should we have the Netherlands playing? Okay. Well maybe Netherlands, Germany, that's a real grudge game, isn't it? Mm. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Let's go yeah. for that. I, yeah. Yeah, the the Netherlands Sweden would be a very colourful game, wouldn't it? You know, one mm-hmm. half orange, the other half yellow and blue. I mean, my dream international fixture at White Hart Lane will be uh, when you know we're hosting the final of the tournament and uh, and England play France and win. Finals at Wembley, Steph. I know, but I'm. I said yeah, you'd say dream. The word is dream. I said, you know, when we're given the final at White Hart Lane, when we're given the chance to host it, that was what yeah, I was saying. The problem with the sewage at Wembley, maybe. But, in but, if I, but, but if I'm going to be, but if I have to be practical, um, well, hang on. If I have to be practical, it's still the same. It's the final. It's England, France, and we win. I mean, that's that's that that's it. I think you know, for me, Madder scoring the winner. Why not? Twenty-five yards. Yeah, yeah. It could, be, yeah. It could be Jamie Donnelly with the assist. Twenty twenty-eight. Well, my clo- the, the closing item that wasn't here, and I don't even know if we're going to get into this any more than the passing sentence, but apparently the club this week gave uh, clearance, permission, whatever you want to call it, for Harry Kane to say his official goodbyes um, at the club because apparently England, tra- well, England train, yeah, train at our at our place. And so he's apparently been given his blessings to come and say goodbye uh, to everyone and, you know, so on and so forth. Any thoughts on that? Not really. Hmm. How does it make everyone feel? I mean, how do you feel about that? Don't really care. Does it make you feel anything in particular? Nope. Really? Not a bit? Because I can not, tell you what not, your face looks like. Your no, face looks really. like it's... No, no not really. I really. I really couldn't give a shit. Really, I really couldn't. Yeah. No. On 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 a on a, you know on a human level, he'll be able to say goodbye to you know Doris in the kit room and Dave on security right. and right. yeah, I guess what it's all about. But yeah, yeah I, I, I was more happy about seeing Delhi at the American football at the stadium today. That uh, yeah, I care about that more to be honest with you. Interesting, yeah. I mean, I, I, look, I'll be delighted when Delhi is finally playing again. That's going to be my biggest thing. Mm. You knew he was not going to admit that it's a peevish response to Harry Kane there because I'd set him up so much. He's never going to give me that. It's like it's never. Well, no, no, no I just I genuinely don't care. He's no. he's an ex Spurs player. I couldn't give a shit. He's a bit more than an ex Spurs player. He's an ex Spurs player that I've been trying to sell for the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but seriously, I mean, you would accept that he is a little more than just that. He's still got a mural opposite the stadium. Well, with part of his head chopped off. <laughs> it's always a bit odd to me, but that mural, that when that little corner of his forehead's gone. 
Yeah, that's a good afternoon in Beavertown away from being painted over, I'd say. And on that note, I mean, could we end the pod on any better a note than that? Top of the league with a good afternoon in Beaverton. I think that's a great place to end it, chaps. But uh, so thank you very much, uh, as always. Just uh, a- yeah, very good. Yeah. Yes, it was fun. It's fun talking about teams at the top of the league. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Next week is another bloody international break. We'll be here as usual, chatting Spurs and counting down the days until the next serving of Ange Ball. Well done, boys. Good process.